Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome back to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club, a show where I, your host, Caitlin McCluskey, normally tell a guest a mystery story where they try and guess the solution. This week we're back to doing things a little differently and I don't have a guest, it's just me. It's just me and you guys listening to the show, we're going to be trying to guess the solution. So as as always, although I don't say this every time, if you would like to play along and try and guess before I give the solution, I'll try and give a pause period at the end, and you can write in an email to the show, which is TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com. I will put that in the description of the podcast as well. And um, anyone who writes in, I will try and read your answers on a future episode to see how what you thought about this mystery. So before I get started, a couple of things. One, uh, I've been feeling a bit down this week, which is why I didn't have the energy to organize a guest and even write anything about this book. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> Read this story before. It's a, it's a Hercule Poirot, Agatha Christie short story. Um, my favorite. Actually, interestingly, Miss Marple was always my favorite detective when I first started reading Agatha Christie. And then slowly, it kind of, I think, transitioned to Hercule Poirot. And now I'm not sure. I like them all. I like other authors, too. Who knew? Who knew when I started this show I'd start reading other mystery authors? Crazy. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to discuss before I get started is I've been reading a bunch of a bunch of new mystery books that aren't on the show just for, uh, well, no good reason, actually. They might be in the future. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So... So I wanted to, to talk about those a little bit because, I don't know, maybe you guys need suggestions for new mystery books to read. So the first one that I that I really loved was The Thursday Murder Club. And it was, I think, popular in 20... Did it come out in 2020? It was pretty popular. Um, it's written by Richard Osman, the comedian, the British comedian. And so I think there was, you know, there's always skepticism if, if someone from a different entertainment industry is going to be able to break into writing novels. Uh, so I think there was some of that. And I personally loved it. It's, you know, it's a cozy mystery. Um, it's here's here's what happens. So it's the. All right. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but I'll give you the, the not the summary. I'll get I'll tell you. the. I don't know what I can tell you, but, you know, just just a, an intro, an intro to what you're getting yourself into. So there's a, a retirement community, um, and and at that retirement community, it's a I think a rich retirement community, and they have a ton of different clubs and and things you can be a part of to occupy your time. And one of those clubs is the Thursday Murder Club, where every Thursday they get together to discuss um, unsolved cases that one of their members has been able to get her hands on, and try and solve them. And then if they do solve them, normally. Nothing happens because, you know, they're not the police. And so they just, they know that they've solved it in their heads, but, or amongst themselves, but nothing comes of it until there is a murder at the retirement community. And so that's the synopsis. Is that the right word? (laughs) And uh, it's so funny. There's just, there's so much good humor, just little things in it. They're just, it's so, so enjoyable to read. Um, so much so that I had the book from the library and I immediately went out and bought a copy for myself because I liked it so much that I could lend it to people. So my mom was already read it. She loved it. Um, she called me a couple of times while she was reading it to tell me what she thought was going on. That was fun. And I'm going to give it to my grandma because 
she's at a retirement community. <laughs> and so we'll see, we'll see what she thinks of that. Um, so if you, if that sounds interesting to you, that's The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osmond. Another book that I read recently was The Sentence is Death, and that was a uh, follow-up to The Word is Murder by Anthony Horowitz, and that is that, that book, The Word is Murder, I did on the show, I think episode 35, with Carolyn Crampton, the host of the She Done It show, which is also a very good podcast. And so I had read that's The Word is Murder is the first in the series. I was looking for the, the sentences death, the second in the series to read, and it was also good. I enjoy the characters except for Hawthorne. He's just, I don't understand him. Um, he's the he's the main detective character, and then Anthony Horowitz plays himself in the book. He's you know writing as if he's actually authoring this 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 detective as he goes on detective cases. Um, that one I read a while ago, so I don't really remember what happened in it, which is ridiculous. Uh, but I think it'd be a good one maybe to do on the show again. But also, um, if you liked the word is murder, you should go read the book yourself. You know, you don't need to wait for me to do it. And what else? Oh, I read A Siege of Bitterns by, I don't remember the author's name, but he's a Canadian author, I believe. And it was like a birder murder mystery, like a lot about bird birding, which I'm not into at all. So it didn't, you know, it was interesting in the fact that I was like, oh, interesting. This could be what birders are like, maybe. I don't know. Um, and it was kind of neat to learn about birds. Uh, and so I don't mind that part too much, like the burning part of the book was, was interesting. Um, but the murder mystery itself was really, really drawn out, like it was a long book. And I don't know, maybe like, let's say it's 400 pages, about 200 pages in, I was like, okay, they could wrap this up now. So I'm telling you about this one from the angle of, I don't know if you need to read it. But if you have read, again, I don't remember the author, but it's a series of murder, murder mysteries. <laughs> Um, if you'd like to talk about them with me, you can, you can again, email the show and we can have a conversation about that. Um, and maybe you really like them and you can tell me why. And I have more of the series, so maybe I'll read the next one and see if I like it any better. Um, so now I've told you what I'm up to, so should we get started? I think we should. The short story I'm telling today is called Problem at Sea. It is part of the Hercule Poirot's casebook collection, short story collection, which I don't know if this is the original collection. That's just, I'm always so confused with these short stories because they just keep putting them into a new different collection book. So I don't know what they're originally published as, but let's get into it. Okay, so this story starts with us getting introduced to some of the characters as most stories start. So we have General Forbes and he, right off the bat, does not like this other seemingly military dude called Colonel Clapperton. And we kind of find out that he doesn't like this this guy because there's this woman, Miss Ellie Henderson, who she's playing around. She's trying to get a rise out of General Forbes. So she's kind of saying she's 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 saying the right words to get General Forbes to like talk bad about Colonel Clapperton or like, you know, tell her how he really feels, that kind of thing. So, so we kind of find out a little bit that, uh, of what General Forbes thinks of Colonel Clapperton. He says that the only reason he was able to marry Lady Carrington is because it was her hospital that 
that General Clapperton had been admitted to during the war when he had like some kind of an injury. And uh, she had been widowed only six months and then he, the colonel came along and then they got married, something like that. So, so General Forbes doesn't think he's a real military dude. He's like, he's not even a colonel. And, and Ellie, Miss Ellie Henderson is kind of just making little subtle jabs that the, the general isn't picking up on to kind of show the irony in what he's saying. To, to say, like, you know, you're also a military dude. These things kind of apply to you. Um, but he doesn't understand. She does get a little smirk from another gentleman sitting in the room, um, which he will later talk to after General Forbes goes on his morning walk where he does 48 turns around the cruise ship that they're on. So she goes over to talk to this little man who had who had picked up on the irony. And who should it be? But Hercule Poirot, of course. <laughs> So as, as a readers of Hercule Poirot Mysteries will know, uh, Hercule Poirot hates being on cruises. He hates being on the sea. And so he's, he's there to, to not enjoy this trip, but to complain about it, even though Miss Ellie Anderson is saying, well, the sea's quite calm today, wouldn't you say? And he's like, it's never calm. At a moment's notice, it will be rough again, you know, except in a Belgian accent. <laughs> Uh, Miss Henderson doesn't stay too much longer in the room. Um, she jumps up saying that she's going to join join the general on his on his walk and goes out to meet what looks like not the general, but looks like it could be Colonel Clapperton, which I think um, Poirot was kind of noting on. And he also, so now he has the, they're in the they were in the smoking room before, um, something that probably doesn't exist in very many places today. And he doesn't think he'll have it alone for long and sure enough he's right mrs clapperton comes in and she's she's described as like you know this beautiful um well manicured well cared for woman you know every hair in place um perfectly platinum dyed uh you know makeup applied professionally probably not really but you know beautifully etc etc they say her massaged and dieted form dressed in a smart sports suit there you go. That's the description of Mrs. Clapperton. So when you get those kind of descriptions, my first thought always goes to like, oh, people don't like her, I think. Or Agatha Christie doesn't like her. You, you get the sense that Agatha Christie does not care for these well, well, well-maintained figures of women. <laughs> so Poirot and, and Mrs. Clapperton, Adeline Clapperton, Clapperton. <laughs> they have a quick conversation about... Um, Mrs. Clapperton telling Poirot about everyone tells her she's so alive and so youthful and lively, even though she has a weak heart, so she does have to be careful. And then Poirot says something that she doesn't sit well with her, or, you know, she doesn't like the response, and so she coldly says that she's going to leave. And as she's exiting the door, her handbag springs open, and the contents kind of, like, fly everywhere. So, of course, Poirot helps her pick it all up, and then she goes out to find her husband, Colonel Clapperton. Um, as Poirot watches on, he notices a scrap of paper that seems to have fallen out of Mrs. Clapperton's bag, but was not returned. It looks like a scrap of a prescription um, containing digitalin, which is a heart medication. It actually, I think, has come up in a past story. I think the chocolate box that was a Hercule Poirot story, I think, had digitalin in it. Am I right? No. That was eye drops. Digitalin. What had digitalin in it? Oh well, someone someone remind me if they know. <laughs> I've done too many episodes. How am I supposed to remember? 
Um, and there's another another old cranky man is coming to the the room, and they basically they discuss what's going on, and the the summary is that. Um, Mrs. Clapperton holds the purse strings. She has all the money. And so people are kind of like, why would this, why would the colonel stay with her when she's kind of annoying? And the idea is like, well, even if he does find her annoying, she's the one with the money. So shortly thereafter, two girls come into the room. Their names are Pam and Kitty. Fun, fun names. When I say girls, they're, I think they're described as 18, but younger than the rest of the people on the ship. And they say that they're going to perform a rescue. They want to rescue Colonel Clapperton from the clutches of his evil wife, who they think is so terrible because she won't let him do anything fun. So they go out to, to try and do that. And they, it's kind of the idea that it's not just a one-time thing. Like, this is their goal for the trip. So uh, that night... This is kind of when it takes shape. Is uh, uh, Hercule Poirot notices that Colonel Clapperton is talking about cars with someone else, and he says something about the his, his you know the price of Rolls Royce, blah blah blah, versus my car. And as he says, my car, his wife cuts in and goes, "I think you mean my car, John." And Poirot was kind of impressed because Colonel Clapperton doesn't bat an eye. He just goes, "Oh, certainly, my dear, your car." and moves on as like totally normal even though this was clearly like a rude thing to just burst in the conversation with and so he's wondering if he's just so used to this behavior that it just like rolls off his back or or what right so the um mrs clapperton general forbes and two other people sit down to play a bridge and mrs clapperson say that it's so tiresome that john won't play her husband won't play and at this point who, who should come up but Pam and Kitty who go, we're taking Colonel Clapperton out on the boat deck to look at the moon, like this gorgeous moon going on, whatever. And Miss Clapperton tries to say like, oh no, he'll catch cold. And the girls go, no, not with us, we're hot stuff. <laughs> and then they go out. <laughs> so that's fun. So from there, I think Paro kind of strolls out onto the deck and he finds Miss Henderson, who seems to be waiting expectantly. She's kind of like, ex turns expectantly and then sees it's just Paro and is a little disappointed. Um, and so they, they're chatting about, could, she doesn't think Colonel Clapperton could possibly love his wife. He's just stuck with her. And Paro's kind of saying, are you sure? Because like, they seem pretty devoted to each other and pretty, plenty of odious women have devoted husbands which is probably true vice versa as well so they hear mrs clapperton's voice saying she's going to go out to the boat deck and miss henderson immediately goes okay well i'm going to bed and leaves so hercule Poirot wanders into the smoking room where he finds um colonel clapperton showing the two girls card tricks and this is when Poirot remembers from before um I, I haven't mentioned it but general forbes was talking about how Part of the reason he doesn't like Colonel Clapperton is that he was supposedly in the military, but he's not a gentleman because before the military he was um, part of like, not the circus, but like the entertainment crowd type thing. So I guess maybe circus tricks, maybe. What, what do they call it? Let me find the word. Oh, they call it the music hall stage. So if that means anything more to you than it means to me, better to you. <laughs> So he's doing card tricks, and then when Hercule Poirot comes in, he, uh, oh, I think someone asked, like, why he won't play bridge, if he, like, it seems he's pretty good with cards, and he goes, 
it wouldn't be basically wouldn't be fair and he deals them all out of hand to bridge and they each end up with a full suit of one full suit and he kind of shows that like you know anyone who who can deal whatever hand they want so them and their partner wouldn't be trusted while playing bridge so he does it kind of um not because he would cheat but because people would think he was cheating and that that doesn't sound fun uh, so the ship reaches Alexandria the next morning, Egypt, and they're, you know, they're able to go out and kind of see Alexandria. And so Pam and Kitty are urging Colonel Clapperton to go out with them because I guess Mrs. Clapperton wouldn't go, but they're trying to get him to like come with them. Um, and there's the passport people that like they need to know soon. And uh, they're kind of making it sound like we can't go out by ourselves. We need like a chaperone. Like you have to come with us. And Colonel Clapton is like, well, yes, I agree with that. But uh, my, I, I don't think my wife is feeling up to it. And so that's they're pushing to be like, well, she doesn't need to come. Like leave her behind. <laughs> um, and so he says, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll have a word with her. I'll have a word with Adeline. And so I think they all go up to the deck, Herkopar included, because he's just, you know, he's a little interested. So they get up to the door, and they, he kind of knocks, knocks on the, her, his wife's door. I, I guess they would have had separate rooms, which was typical back then. It might be typical in the future. I've heard people talking about wanting a separate, separate room from their partner. Um, and so they, they top, he taps on her door and asks if she's up and then they hear a sleepy voice from inside, Mrs. Clapperton kind of saying, um, what is it? Like, don't bother me kind of. And he's telling her that he wants to go ashore. Does she want to come? And she says, of course not. Um, she's had a bad night. She's going to stay in bed. And then Pam says something about how she's so sorry that Mrs. Clapperton feels bad. And are you sure you're not up to it? She says, I'm quite certain. Um, and the colonel tries to get in, but uh, the door is locked. And she says so. And she says she doesn't want to be disturbed by any of the stewards or stewardesses. So Pam and Kitty are pleased because it's it's time to go. So they, um, they go to get their passports and they head out. And so Paul watches the three of them as they leave the ship. And as he's watching, Miss Henderson comes up behind him. And she's quite upset about this as well. Clearly she's she's more interested in Mrs. Uh, Colonel Clapperton than I think she'd even like to admit to herself maybe. Uh, and if she's not going to go ashore. She's quite upset about this. She's, she'll stay aboard. So much later that day when the travelers return to the, to the ship, uh, Poirot hears Colonel Clapperton come up to his wife's door and kind of knock on it, kind of answer, and then knock again. And uh, he hears them call a steward and say, hey, do you have a key? Like, my wife's not answering. And so immediately Poirot jumps out of bed and goes to see what's happening. And so then the news kind of travels around the ship like wildfire that Mrs. Clapperton had been found dead in her, bud, in her bed um, with a dagger driven through her heart. And there was a string of amber beads found on the floor. And so they had rounded up, I guess, they would allow sellers to come onto the ship. And so they rounded up all the bead sellers from that day to question them because that's where their, their instinct is going. And there's a whole bunch of rumors flying around about what happened, but what, what it boils down to is a small amount of loose cash had been stolen out of the one of the drawers. So it, it is, Poirot's kind of saying uh, that it's, it's weird that, the, so she was found dead, she'd been dead for at least five hours. 
The door was locked with the key on the inside, but the window, not just a porthole, but window that opens up onto the deck was found open or unlocked or whatever. So that's, I guess, how they had gotten in and out. And so he thinks it's just curious that, I guess he's saying it's weird that this is, that it was murder. Like he could kind of understand the like petty thieving, but murder seems kind of ridiculous. So what Poirot's, I guess, trying to say is that it's, so we know the door was locked when Colonel Clapperton and the girls left because he had tried the door, it was locked, and Mrs. Clapperton had said herself that the door was locked and she didn't want anyone to come in. So whoever murdered her would either have had to come in through the window, which would have been a tight fit, and on the deck with people passing, so it would have looked weird. Someone probably would have seen it. Or Mrs. Clapperton would have had to open the door for them. And what Poirot is saying is that is she likely to have opened the door to a bead, just a bead seller? Probably not. She doesn't seem like the type of woman, woman to do that. So that's kind of where Poirot is going like, okay, so we'll start there. That's weird. But she was lying peacefully on her bed when with the stab wound. Like, it couldn't be that someone forced their way into the door either. So where does that leave us? So so Poirot is saying, it seems like she must have known this person, right? And so that points to that it was someone on board the ship. Dun, dun, dun. So, so Miss Ellie Henderson kind of says, like, well, I didn't like her, and I don't think anyone else liked her on the ship. But it's going to be real difficult for you to prove who possibly could have done this, done this because there's a lot of people on this ship. And uh, Poirot says he'll use a phrase from detective novels, which is quite funny because this is one, and he goes, I have my methods, Watson. <laughs> okay, so I think this is the right place to pause and ask, so what do you think? What do you think? Who done it? What happens? What do you think the story is? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this at this point if you wanna try and guess. I pause the show here. From this point on, I'm gonna probably give it away. If you'd like to write into the show and tell tell me what your guess is, again, the email is TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com, or you can DM me, DM me on Instagram. The Instagram is just at TuesdayNightMysteryClub. Uh, so without further ado, let's keep going with the rest of this story. So the following evening, Hercule Poirot invites the whole ship down to the main ship land at 8.30, and the captain introduces him. I guess Hercule Poirot doesn't invite him down. The ship invites him down. Everyone gets like a slip of paper saying, be here at 8.30. And the captain says, you all know that we have this famous detective on board, Hercule Poirot. I'd like you to cooperate with him because he's going to try and find this murderer. So Poirot gets up and he thanks everyone for their time. And he has a, a steward brings out like this bulky object to him. And he says, basically, you know, my methods aren't necessarily ordinary, but I'm sure they'll get results. And he starts to unwrap this object and ends up being like a life-sized doll in a velvet suit. And so he asks the doll, he says, now Arthur, he's saying that this doll is a witness to what happened. Now Arthur, can you tell me, or repeat, can you tell me anything at all about the death of Mrs. Clapperton? And the audience waits, and the doll, you know, nods its head, and all of a sudden, um, its wooden jaw opens up and we hear a high, shrill woman's voice say, What is it, John? The door's locked. I don't want to be disturbed by the stewards. Suddenly from the audience, there's a cry, there's an overturned chair, and a man sways and falls forward. It's cop colonel Clapperton. 
so the doctor the ship's doctor sees him and says yep he's died it was his heart uh, i'm afraid it was too much for him to see his trick seen through so then Parra kind of starts to explain and he says that it was general forbes that had put the idea into his head that Colonel Clapperton had been on the musical stage before the war, and he says, what if he was a ventriloquist by trade? And that's what he did. Then it would be so easy for him to make it seem like to three people, to these girls in Poirot, that Mrs. Clapperton had been saying these things from inside the room, when in reality it was just himself throwing his voice, making it seem like his wife was speaking, when in fact it was just him and he had already killed her. He had staged it, he had put the beads out, etc etc he had left the window open he was the one who had locked the door so when he got back at the end of the day he could make it look like couldn't possibly have been him because everyone heard her alive when he left and then he was he had an alibi the whole day so so miss ellie henderson is not upset but a little upset because she was kind of in love with colonel clapperton and so she's asking questions about how he did it or how he knew and he he kind of says you know well, one, the digitalin, apparently it dilates your pupils, and he hadn't noticed that in Mrs. Clapperton, but he had in Colonel Clapperton, so we couldn't have known that. But so he had an, an idea that it was him, it was Colonel Clapperton, who actually had the heart troubles, and uh, Mrs. Clapperton was just saying that because she wanted the attention. And so he felt, he thought that if he put this stage on, that, that he would die, which Hercule Farrell thinks is better than, because it's something you can't prove, I guess. They, can't, they wouldn't be able to prove that he did it. And... He also thinks that the conjuring, like the cards tricks he was doing the night before, was purposeful to like make it seem like he'd given himself away to show that he was like, a, you know, he did card tricks, but to cover up that no one would ask, right? Like, was he a ventriloquist? That was one other thing. And then, um, uh, oh, who had done the, been the high-pitched voice? One, apparently one of the stewardesses had a similar, a voice not unlike Mrs. Clapperton's, and so she had hidden behind the curtain and done the acting for Poirot. So that's how they had kind of pulled all of that off. So I think that's it. There's no one here to ask me questions um, that I didn't answer. So that's too bad, I guess. <laughs> too bad for you guys. Um, but again, this was the problem, problem at Sea, a Hercule Poirot casebook story by Agatha Christie. And I think that's it. So I'll just I'll end off with our final remarks. If you like this episode, you like the show, there are like 50 or 60 more episodes where this came from. So you can search for Tuesday Night Mystery Club anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, give us a follow. Write a review. If you write a review and I remember to go look for them, uh, which I will eventually, I will read your review online. And if you would like to get show updates and some mystery content, you can follow the Instagram, which is Tuesday Night Mystery Club on Instagram. Again, you can contact the show on uh, the email, which is Tuesday Night Mystery Club at gmail.com. If you like the show and you would like to support it, you can do so on Patreon. We have a couple of bonus tiers where you can get the show early. You can get um, a character list of the shows to be able to follow along a little better. Um, and so that is patreon.com slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And if you, I would like to thank our current patrons who are at the Inspector Gamash level, we have Shelly Tsao. At the Miss Jean Marple level, we have Michael Borello, Debbie Kravis, Barb McLean, Emily Shilton, Alex Young Davies, Stuart Falls, and Ned Wright.
So thank you all so much for your support. And I think that's everything. So I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, have a happy Tuesday night. Good night, everyone.